Hi guys, uh, this is Tejaswini again, and I'm here with my second podcast. So I did not expect that I would even reach to the second podcast, uh, but turns out I read a lot, and I ended up finding this more interesting than I thought I would. So I have more things that I want to talk about today, and you might be wondering about how both my podcasts are uh, like just me talking. And here's the thing. I was going to set up a thing with my friends and I was going to have them in the podcast too. Uh but covid and everything, so it's not exactly safe to go out there and this wouldn't be a podcast if I was video calling my friends and talking about this topic. So, uh anyways, let's 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 just get to the point and I can't exactly promise that I'm going to be uh, talking about everything I want to talk about in a linear fashion. I mean, um it's just a Sagittarius trait or something. I'm expected to not uh give out the whole story in a complete linear manner. So, you will be uh seeing me jump from one fact and story or example onto a completely different thing and I hope that uh you still stick till the end of the podcast i know that the last podcast was a bit longer than uh, anticipated i did not think that i would last even 10 minutes uh but stick around this uh, this topic sounds fun and everything so all right so in the last podcast i talked about the fact that i will be talking about matrilineal community specifically in india so the khasi community the jaintia community the nair community in kerala right so uh let's just dive in with the khasi community first or let's talk about meghalaya first so um let, let's begin all right i'll just i'll just begin now so for anyone born in a patrilineal society uh, and particularly a male it is re- it's a revealing experience to witness life in meghalaya so the fundamental assumptions built into 90% of the world's culture is completely reversed here the in the rest of south asia women are ruthlessly exploited okay uh, but over here it's different um but it appears that the karo and jaintia tribes migrated from tibet and the khasi tribe uh, from the khmer areas of south asia uh, southeast asia in these traditional societies the men have always been traders and warriors and the women have stayed at home so khasi women explain it like this um because men were gone for long periods of time property passed down through the female line from mother to daughter and um like i said in the first podcast uh, men were either at war or they were they were out hunting to provide food right and uh, they could ne- they would never know if they were coming back home so they would let go of any inheritance and so that inheritance would go on to the females of the family so um any any property being passed down it would go down through the female line from the mother to the daughter and uh, even though men retained political power in the form of uh, tribal monarchies and clan councils um rights to the power passed from women to daughter not from father to son so uh, when we talk about rights over here rights to all powers uh, what i mean is that um basically right to land right to property any sort of inheritance any kind of um family matters family decisions they passed on from uh, a woman uh, a mother to her daughter not the father to son uh, as it so happens in most uh, patrilineal societies or patriarchal communities to this day 
um although 80% of the tribal population is christian these uh, old traditions still pr- uh, pervade meghalayan society so um when i say that 80% of the tribal population is christian i i'm talking about these um communities basically these matrilineal communities that's it um okay so uh, let's talk about language because language basically uh, it reflects a basic cultural assumption right so uh, the khasi believe the female is the giver of all life the root of all things all nouns uh, take a gender form as uh, with many european languages um so an inanimate object is masculine until it is put to use so that sounds very interesting doesn't it um the word for tree is masculine but when the wood is transformed into any building material the noun becomes feminine that's something really interesting to me it sounds really interesting you can actually um derive so much meaning so much value from that one example right um likewise the uh, the word for a rock is masculine only when it is not cut and used so it is with all nouns something useful is feminine something unshaped crude natural you would say is male that's something really important that that sounds poetic in a sense right um we've discussed this language so far so uh, let's talk about politics um leadership religion also so i'm talking about this specifically when it comes to the khasi community i'll also be discussing other communities also but i'm basically talking about the khasi community right now so uh, although the women do not seek leader- leadership in either politics or religion the khasi have never had queens like um only kings and priests are also male so land power name and social ranks are passed on from mothers to daughters um even before the british colonial conquest uh kings did not pass power on to their sons the monarchs were men but the rights to monarchy passed down through the king's youngest sister so a king could only make his uh, son king and only his sister's son could be king this forced kings to consult privately with their sisters just as khasi men and women control political power today um men consult with their wives before voting in public forums and the women agree to stay at home when the votes are cast you see it's it's equal even if it may not it may not seem like a equal uh, setup it is still equal man and wife they are equal in the khasi community so um like i said matrilineal is not matriarchal the women do not dominate the men uh, over here it is all equal uh, here the man has the power uh, but it is inherited from the women it is taken from the women it is given by the women this power structure it has created a unique balance between both the sexes so um something that i recently read was how outside of this uh, outside in the society the man is the one who walks around with the authority but within his home within his household it's the woman it's the woman who's the decision maker who's the person who has a who has veto power you could say basically it's like that so it's equal there's a very um, different type of balance in uh, power between the sexes um All right so I know that I am not exactly going in a linear manner but it's just that when I get excited um I just 
end up rambling about the things and i just wanted to uh, provide so much information in such little time so uh we talked about um language right now in the khasi community i'm just gonna go backwards and talk about the community in itself for a little while i talked i did not i don't think i talked about bloodlines um in a more comprehensive manner so i'm gonna do that so um something to be noted is that since the child's identity is completely taken from the mother's side not the father's side there are rarely any cases of illegitimate children um say for a few ex- uh, exceptions this means that even if a child hasn't been conceived within matrimonial bounds they are uh, they can still lay claim to inheritance and the family name they can still fight for that within the society people cannot marry within their clan or their bloodline itself again a trait in the khasi community i know it's a common trait in other communities as well but this is just one of the uh, traits which is common in these matrilineal communities also not to say that it's a trait that is common in all matrilineal communities all right so i'm sorry i'm rambling again let's move on um this is to say that like basically people cannot marry into the same bloodline into the same clan right so um if two khasi people with the same clan name the same uh, when i say clan name i mean same surname or the same last name are not allowed to marry each other it is often looked down on if such a situation does occur so in the olden days if such a thing were to happen the people involved in such a thing uh, in such a situation they were ostracized from their community itself let's talk about uh, inheritance also i touched upon this very briefly and in the previous podcast also i mentioned that inheritance is a little tricky uh in the sense that uh it cannot exactly be the way it is in all matrilineal communities so inheritance back in the day often meant something like how the youngest daughter would inherit the remains of her parents wealth and property um if the parents wanted to go into further consideration towards the other siblings they would divide it uh divide the property and all the wealth that they owned into equal shares for all their children but mostly it usually goes to the eldest daughter i am saying eldest daughter here and i mean that when it comes to matrilineal communities what happens is that always the daughter is put first now if that is just for the uh, sake of it just for the sake of saying so or for actually acting on it but the daughter is put first there is a lot of importance on the eldest daughter of the family so the uh, the parents they can divide their assets among their children equally too the youngest daughter also takes care of her parents during their old age so uh, i don't know about everyone else but i was always brought up with this upbringing about how uh, if i had an elder brother he would be the one who would you know move out of the family and the daughter of the family be it the eldest or the youngest she would always be the one who would stay with her parents and take care of them this is just a thing that i've been taught since i was a kid you know and in other communities in other uh, families it may not be the case but it is just something it's a way uh, it's a thought process it's a way of life so even in the khasi community that is how it is the youngest daughter takes care of her parents during their old age and when she does get married her husband ends up moving with her and her parents so that she can take care of her parents so uh, due to the westernization and the introduction of christianity most khasis have converted to different branches of christianity 
society and they don't completely follow the religion the customs and the traditions uh, that were set up uh, before the christianity days uh, but in recent uh, years there has been men who want to uproot and do away with such a system because they think it's biased towards them so i just want to point out again that men are looked upon as primary providers in the caste community and they also are more authoritative in the society so even though the caste community is a matrilineal society the women folk aren't as empowered as you think they are women are never allowed to participate in a local governing institution and they're mostly banned by the headman of such institutions so till date most of the grave family decisions are taken by the father who exercises a lot of control over the family khasi women are they're rather excluded from the politics the current political system is much more male dominated and it certainly doesn't play any favors for the population of women in different sections of the community um i just want to say that this does sound a bit uh different from what i had said in the previous podcast but i just want to point this out here again that um every matrilineal community has different you know cultures different perspectives and there hasn't been a lot of information on such communities in india specifically so while i'll be talking about some journals pointing this out uh as a common characteristic there will be another journal or another person of authority who will be count uh, like you know saying that no that is actually wrong this is how it is in the community and this is because not a lot of information is provided out there not a lot of evidence has been gathered about these communities because at the end of the day they are small tribes you know so not a lot of, a lot of information is there so every time i am providing any kind of information i am pointing out the fact that i did say otherwise in like you know the previous podcast or something uh all right so i have talked about the khasi community a lot now i have talked about pretty much everything i wanted to talk about uh in detail so uh before i run out of time with this podcast the final podcast i'm going to be talking about the nair community specifically in kerala all right so kerala is an enigma in itself it's like it's high social indices of literacy sex ratio and low female infanticides it it just projects the image of a progressive state you know in like one that is way ahead of other states but ask the women who really live there and they will have a different story to tell So the supposed presence of matriarchy in its history has earned Kerala the image of being a female friendly state. Notice how I say the supposed presence of matriarchy again want to point point out that it was never a matriarchal society to begin with it was always a system of matrilineal society in which men still wielded much of the power in the public domain and that too ended almost a century ago leaving behind just traces of certain customs that are still in practice in such a community so I'm sorry for breaking this whole feminist bubble that you had thought that like this is how Kerala was back then but a matriarchal society just never existed in Kerala people again have always confused these two terms matrilineal and matriarchy 
so let's just like take a look at a system that came closest to giving women decision making power autonomy over their sexuality and their bodies and a control in the matters of their marriage and their children so let me take you through like a social science lesson right here uh while i have discussed in great detail what matrilineal societies mean and what a matriarchal society is i still haven't talked about what a what a patriarchy is so uh, while a patriarchy is a social system where men have monopoly over the social cultural and political realms of society and hold primary uh, authority over women and children what was practiced in some communities in kerala was not a system diametrically opposite to this which is a matriarchy so in this system of matrilineal society descent was traced to females i've already discussed this and i don't exactly want to go into too much of it so um it based what i basically mean is that all it did was narrow down the gender gap that was left behind all right in the patriarchal society so now that we know what a matriarchal society is what a matrilineal community is and what a patriarchy is or what these different systems are what these different communities are let's just talk about how the matrilineal society actually came into place in kerala i'm going to be talking about the nair community and about kerala specifically because i've already discussed the different uh, communities uh, such as the khasi community in meghalaya right so communities the the communities believed to have practiced this system were the nairs right uh, of northern kerala the most researched and recorded amongst all the different communities that have existed in central and southern kerala has been the nair community there have been many contesting theories to the question of the matrilineal society's emergence and the most widely accepted one purports that the origin of the system is traced back to the time when the sole purpose for men was to indulge in warfare because shedding blood for your own land was considered to be the truest purpose it sounds barbaric i know uh, but that's that's how it is that's how society has cultivated up till this date so since that was where honor was um that is where men went family succession children and economic resources were left to the women to take care of simply because men had different priorities at the time to them their priorities lied in hunting killing and just barbaric routines i i would say it sounds funny to me it, because that is what they chose over their own family so um now that we know how this actually how the matrilineal community emerged um how this nair community emerged in kerala let's um let's talk about how it was actually back then uh, when it actually existed what was it like to be in such a family uh so in kerala families lived together as joint families in large mansions so these mansions were called tarawad uh family members they shared uh, ownership over the property this meant that no 
single individual could claim their share. Lineage was traced through females. Children took the name of their mothers as their clan name or their surname and they stayed at their mother's house even after marriage. Property in the name of the women in the family, um, that's how it was. Property wasn't always in the name of the women in the family. And uh, that was how it was passed down from mothers to daughters, never from fathers to sons. That's how it is in a matrilineal community and that's how it was in the Nair community in Kerala. Uh, though this is not to say that this society was devoid of patriarchal elements like I said, when it comes to kinship, even in the patriarchal community, there have been traces, characteristic, uh, characteristics and factors of a matrilineal community. So uh, for all intents and purposes, the actual control of the property and resources was in the hand of the maternal uncle, who was more commonly known as the Karnavan. Um, this uncle was the one who had the final say in all matters. Uh, so again, um, I talked about religion, I talked about language and other like marriage and culture and different traditions in the Khasi community. So it won't be any different in the Nair community. So I'm going to talk about marriage now. Uh, like marriage between a man and a woman was never uh, there in the conventional sense. When I say conventional, I mean eternal and monogamous like in that sense so there existed the simple custom where the man would offer a piece of cloth to woman in front of an oil lamp a practice which would bring them together to satisfy their sexual needs and to procreate it was just as simple as that uh, but it never exactly led to any matrimonial relations now remember how in the first podcast i talked about how some in some matrilineal communities it was frowned upon to have uh, sexual relations with either the same uh, bloodline relatives or uh, have uh, premarital uh, sexual uh, affairs or relationships this is not something you see in the Nair family um, this practice of offering a, p- a piece of cloth to a woman in front of an oil lamp this uh, does not uh, signify that they're married in any way it just simply means that their needs are satisfied and that they procreate So uh, there have actually been arrangements where women actually had autonomy over their sexuality and reproductive rights and they weren't shamed or disrespected for it. So like I said, men would leave for warlike services soon after, right? And women weren't exactly encouraged to like, uh, uh, you know, stick in the marriage and uh, not take other husbands. They like, they weren't exactly encouraged to do something like that, you know? They, um, They were given full autonomy over what they wanted to do so women's identities were not associated to their fathers or their husbands but to the tarawat their uncle they belonged to their uncle to uh, and that is how they were identified with uh, a female ancestor uh, this is um, so uh, this is to say that basically there was no doubt that the, this gave women the kind of agency a patriarchal society did not. The specific cultural and social conditions of these communities in Kerala in the 19th and 20th century is often attributed to one of the reasons for the high female literacy and low female infanticide in the state. Women were granted much more social and financial security than they are today and which consequently gave them a voice and earned them respect in their society. 
So remember uh, how I talked about uh, previously that uh, this matrilineal society does not exactly exist anymore in Kerala. In the very beginning of me introducing the Nair community, I talked about how it existed then and how it does not exist anymore. And remember how I talked about why I actually got interested in this topic to begin with? It was because of that one IGTV um broadcast i saw on instagram which was talking about the nair community specifically how it existed and how it got wiped out just like that so here's a tidbit from that igtv basically what happened was that uh, during this 19th century and uh, the 18th and 19th century uh, when men finally started moving out of their communities to get higher education and everything so they would go all the way to madras and everywhere and over there the uh, the the culture was completely different they in madras and other regions of india outside of kerala kerala they did not exactly have the same matrilineal community the same society uh, the societal norms the culture and the traditions that these young boys were uh, living with so far until like until they moved out of their home so um, they felt a bit ashamed humiliated because that's how they were uh, felt uh, like that's how people expected them to feel back then when they moved out into the new world you could say basically they saw that it's a patriarchal society where men are the ones who are dominating outside of their homes as well as within their homes so when they came back home to their matrilineal communities they felt really ashamed and humiliated feeling as though they were the inferior sex when that is no, when in fact that was not the point of a matrilineal community to begin with you know so um, that is just one of the reasons why it was abolished so um, there are a multitude of factors that pushed this whole matrilineal society into decline the primary being a shift in the role that men played in the system uh, when the period of war and conflict ended and the men returned to being members of the mainstream society marriage became stronger and more monogamous the upper caste men got more the upper caste uh, men got more uh, modern english education which was heavily influenced by the victorian family values uh, where their own culture was accused of being barbaric and uncivilized so um, there was growing resentment because of this against the tarawad and um, which still uh, because they it still denied uh, partitioning of the family property so they were never like enthusiastic male members who wanted to start new enterprises and get into new ventures they were stopped from doing so you know and protests to change the partitioning system and to give more autonomy to nuclear families gained momentum because of this because of this um, resentment in the males you know so um manuas pilai actually recounts about all all of this um the nair community their decline and everything in his book the ivory throne and over here he recounts what actually happens to the nairs in the in the kerala region and how it actually goes into decline so now what it is like is uh, basically the image of a humble a uh, virtuous wife is uh, you know like uh, having lady like qualities of being passive and submissive this was glorified like anything and uh, this image has 
you know it was made stronger through mediums of art and literature so decades of this attempt to uh, retreat to patriarchal values bring a, brings us to what these communities are like today and they're not exactly very different either matrilineal communities have actually declined they've actually you know they don't exist anymore or they have completely turned into a patriarchal um, lineage so most of these uh, matrilineal communities they are actually facing a lot of issues from patriarchal communities you know in inner feuds and what not like the example of the nair community and the young males who wanted to make something out of their own name and not live under their um female kinship's name under their clan name you know and i think this will be a really good place to end this second podcast so so far i've talked about the khasi community i've also talked about the nair community and these are the two communities that i was the most fascinated by in india obviously there are different communities still that still exist that are still thriving in such a patriarchal society in such a patriarchal world uh so if you ever feel interested in such a topic i would love to talk about it in another podcast in another session but for now this is enough i feel like this podcast has gone way beyond the time limit and yeah that's it for now so uh thanks for staying till the end and i hope you enjoyed it till the end thank you